0: Everybody enjoyed their lunch um, I'd like to um, we're going to start the Q&A part of of the presentation today um, I'd like to remind you that all of the upcoming sessions for SACPA are listed on the website at www.sacpa.ca and sessions can also be heard on audio and as a podcast from the same website. Uh, there is a suggestion box somewhere over there, over here, um, if you have some suggestions. Uh, wait, where did I go? Sorry. Uh, there's a microphone over here that people can come up and ask their questions. Uh, Jerry and Joey will will be standing here. Uh, I'd like to remind you to keep your questions short and topical. Um, uh, I'd like to, you to ask your short, topical question, then return to your seat. After doing so, please—oh, that's for me. Sorry. It was oh, that good apple pie. I have a couple of announcements here. The University of Lethbridge Students Union, the Association of Political Science Students, and the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs will be hosting an all-candidates federal election forum in the BMO Auditorium Room SA8002 Science Commons at the University of Lethbridge on October 2nd at 6.30. That's the brand-new building. All Lethbridge federal constituency candidates have been invited. The 2019 federal election promises to be an interesting contest with many issues up for discussion. This forum will be conducted using both formulated and audience questions. Voice your concerns and help frame the issues you consider important by asking the candidates to explain their views and party policies on those topics. So that's Wednesday the 2nd, uh, starts at 6.30 for a meet and greet and the forum goes from seven to nine. Again, that's at the BMO Auditorium Room, SA8002 Science Commons at the University of Lethbridge. The moderator will be Ms. Charlene Brucehead Mountainhorse. It's free and everybody is welcome to attend. Please visit www.elections.ca for information on all aspects of voting. Uh, I just wanna also remind you that the next session on Thursday, October 3rd, is called Energy Utilities and How Consumers Are Being Overcharged. The speaker will be Joe and Anglin or Anglin? Anglin, sorry. Your, your names are just too much. Uh, so I would like to invite Joey and Jerry back up and remind you that you can come to the other podium for questions. Thank you.
1: On? Yeah, it should be on. Sorry, Maureen. That was me. Your... Okay. Uh, Maureen Hawkins. Yeah. I know from reading about the Portuguese model, where they have completely decriminalized all drugs, more people um, are going for rehab. And one of the things that kept them from it before was fear of losing their children to child protective services would you think that the Portuguese model would be good here? And is there anything that your group can do to help people who may be facing losing their children just because they are addicted and want to seek help?
2: Right out of the gate. Okay. (laughs) Um, Honestly, I'm not qualified to speak to whether that model will be beneficial here or not, Uh, but what what I would respond to with that question is that I think it is, we we do need to start looking at other models and approaches to addressing addiction and and supporting recovery. Uh, Our current systems do have a lot of gaps and failures, Um, though there might be areas of strength that we can work from. We do need to take some other approaches and perspectives. Um, I think that's one impetus as to why our program currently exists is because there is this understanding that uh, we need to do more. We need to think a little bit more outside the box, and we also need to work a little bit better within the context that we we reside in. And uh, so, whether that that model is specific to Portuguese, how they're approaching it, uh, and what that would look like in Leftbridge, I think we I, I would leave that to um, someone else who might be more qualified to respond to that. But uh, um, In that same response, I would say that uh, when we're we're looking at what's working there, we need to figure out whatever that might be that we're bringing here, how does it fit then within our context? And that's another important element of our program is that you can have a recovery coaching model, you can even have the Indigenous recovery coaching model, but we need to understand how that works here in Leftbridge because context is everything and it can make a difference uh, in how we truly support people uh, where they're at. So, we do not. That's not the intention of our program. Our program is to connect them to the supports and resources that exist. Uh, if, if, if it is a matter of child welfare, um, then we would refer them to the appropriate resources and services.
3: Thank you, Jerry. Next. Colleen Quintel. And I just want to um, thank you for a wonderful presentation. and It just whetted my appetite. I have like five questions, but I know <laughs> I'm not allowed to ask them all. So I'm just I'm going to sneak in two if I can. One is very simple. And how are you funded? Okay.
2: So our funding it's Inac funding through the um, UPIP um, Urban Programming for Indigenous Peoples. Uh, it is a five-year funding source. Um, but when we look at further funding, we are going to be. Concerning the, the, the options of diversifying that funding, so that, because uh, from what I understand, that U.P.I.P. funding, it's all—am I correct on this? It's all—all uh, all the money that's available for the City of Lethbridge is currently tied up into our program. So we are going to be looking at other funding uh, streams that would be available uh, moving forward, so that we can ensure that that other funding source is freed up uh, in ways that other programs can can be sparked up in Leffbridge.
3: And my second question, if I may. Okay, thank you. Um, does Lethbridge have sufficient services to meet the um, community needs in terms of the op- opioid agonist um, therapy? I've, I've heard that, well, actually I knew a psychiatrist who was practicing in that um, about five years ago, and he was seeing 40 to 50 patients a day, and he never had time to really diagnose or have a conversation with, Um, with one of his patients and uh, you know that it was just such a high volume load has Mm -hmm. there been more services put in place by the City of Lethbridge
2: there has been um, so the two clinics that had existed uh, ACT has been I would I think was the first clinic and then Prairie Treatment clinic was introduced uh following that and those two had were the two predominant uh, clinics available in the city uh and then most recently is the uh, VODP program which i can't remember the full uh, acronym it's uh virtual opioid VODP miles can you help me out do you know, remember what the acronym is anyway uh Really, what's the intention there is uh, is to create a opportunity for a virtual connection, so that it can make uh, a response to that treatment more timely. In fact, um, sometimes it even happens that very day that they can get them into uh, or on OAT immediately, without the wait and 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 the sort. So we do have those three programs, and from what I understand, there's also another application. Uh, going in that's looking at IOT, which I'm not too familiar with, but there is an expansion of these services that are starting to develop in Laughbridge. Great.
3: Okay, thank you. You're welcome.
2: Maybe someone asked a question Joey can answer.
3: <laughs> hey, Joey. <laughs> it's Barb Phillips. Uh, I think all, uh, the, the program is wonderful and you've really educated me today. I was just wondering if... Uh, because it's all about connections. We all know that, and you are making the connections one-on-one. I can see that. I was just wondering if you have a figure as to actually how many participants since you started just over a year ago you've actually worked with in Lethbridge, and also how do you counteract the naysayers in Lethbridge? Because maybe this is a good news story that some people that aren't so keen about about arches and supervised consumption sites and recovery maybe they need to be educated by you
4: folks um wait one more time no <laughs> i'm just kidding no no it's uh, when we first started we started out with the one we had the one couple it was a couple right that started out our program and of course we were all nervous and and excited at the same time oh we got our first participant but then, over a while, more and more people started coming into the program, and um, the word started getting out there. And then, a lot of it was word of mouth too. Hey, our participants were sharing, sharing the uh, program out there, and a lot of it was, oh, hey, we can go, we can go take a shower, we can go do some laundry over at our office. But you know. It was just a place for them where they can come and relax and and get away from some of the 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 stuff that they're they're struggling with but with what's going on here in the in the city and as you referred to that the naysayers it it it, it's tough it's daunting at times and especially uh sometimes can get frustrating when you see all the comments and that on facebook but i reminded some of my colleagues you know um It's it's best practice to do your best not to uh, not to focus on that, hey. Because the work needs to continue, and the work's going to continue one way or another. It's just it's just being able to uh, break that barrier of not focusing too much on the negativity, hey. And I think with our program and and fostering that growth in our participants, that needs to continue. But once we start getting caught up in all of that, then it's just it, not only do we get burnt out, but our participants will start feeling that. They'll start feeling that, that, that uh, negativity. So it's really just continuing doing the, the, the work we're doing. And at some point, like what we're doing right now is sharing what our program is about. What arches is about. This is the kind of dialogue that needs to continue, and this is the kind of dialogue that needs to be fostered, hey. Eh? And 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 I appreciate that we get to come here and and share what we know. And I'll be honest, I don't, I, I know very little. No, I'm just kidding. I, 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 do my best in sharing with what I know and and passing that on to whoever comes in 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 my circle, you know. But just maintaining that. The work needs to continue, and if, it, if we start focusing too much on the negativity, then you'll start seeing more of a struggle than there already is, you know. So, I, I, you know, I'd like to think I answered that okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Uh,
1: I'm Bev Mendel-Atherstone. Thank you both so much for being here and telling us about your program. Uh, I have two questions, hopefully... Each of you will answer one. (laughs) Um, But first, I have a comment, and that is, it seems to me many people are um, distanced from their culture and distanced from community and distanced from other people. And that this would be a wonderful program for people who feel like they are kind of isolated, kids coming out of high school um, sort of at all <clears throat> at loose ends, not knowing what to do. So I, I love the model. It's a very, it's a very uh, a wonderful model, and I think it would help a lot of people, um, but not in terms of addiction, to just use it for helping people to get organized and get on with their lives. Um, so my two questions are, one, uh, we couldn't read in the back what the definition for recovery was, so I'd like you to mention that. And the other one is, what does a day in the life of a person in your program look like? Where are they physically? And do they have housing?
2: Okay, Um, So I'll start and then hand the baton over to Joey. Uh, He's much more eloquent with his words. I think you you really pinpointed something important there, Bev, with the idea of community and culture, uh, specifically around identity. Um, it's indisputable. I, I think people would like to often argue it, but it is indisputable that the root cause of addiction is so, social exclusion and isolation. Um, even more so, psychological trauma that's experienced as a result of. And if we are to reverse this, again, as I made comment to earlier, Addiction is not an individual issue. Addiction is a societal issue that we all need to take more seriously, that we all need to to understand and realize that we're all a part of it. And for true recovery, it does take a a community. For all true healing, it takes a community. And part of that community means we need to understand where the other person is in their life, at least to the best of our ability, or at least provide an opportunity for for an openness of hearing their story. Uh, It's also an opportunity for us to have a conversation as a community as to how we situate ourselves in this dialogue, in this conversation. And if we can do that, I think that's when we'll truly see people being successful in their recovery. Because recovery, it's not from an addiction. Recovery is truly from a broken spirit, a disconnection. And so it's important that we We create an opportunity where people can feel whole. They can connect to their culture, to their identity, and to their community. And this community now is, this is Leftbridge. This is our community. The naysayers, the lovers, the haters, the supporters, we're all in this together. And it's an important time for us to have that conversation. Um, I'm gonna let Joey talk a little bit more to that day in a life because we see a diverse group of people Um, and they do come from various walks of life. You heard the success stories about two folks that were in very different places in the recovery. Uh, We do have some similarities, but there are some very distinct differences, but I'll let Joey talk a little bit more to that.
4: Well, actually, just before I was uh, making my way over, I was held up by two of my participants, and those two participants, one of them expressed interest in going to detox, And that participant just got herself booked a bed for detox. And then another participant of mine's expressed interest in um, attending a sweat, a ceremonial sweat lodge that's going to be taking place next month. So when, when we talked about success... You know, for me, again, those two right there are successes for. Not, they're not mine. They're, their they're their successes. They're not our program success. It's their successes. And 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 what a day looks like for for me as a recovery coach it varies. So today was one of the days where my participants were just deciding, hey, you know, this is what I want to do. So it's meeting them. It's meeting them where they're at, not where I'm at, because if they were meeting me where I'm, where I want them to be at. Then that connection, we would lose. We would lose a little bit of uh, things in that transition because I'm just trying to get them. Come on, let's go. Hurry up, you know. <laughs> you know, and that and that was my thinking when I first came into the into my position that I was going to get them off the streets, get them into detox. You know, I was really naive when when I referred to the the my lack of knowledge when it came to to the opioid crisis that we're in um and the long-term effects that it's something that's not just gonna uh, uh, change overnight hey? it's a long it's a long road for them, but being able to put them in a position that gets them on that road, you know so my day consists of many different things they, and there's times where I I, I I I could get them when they're at their best and at their worst and it doesn't matter if I'm at my best or at my worst, you know I could be having a really tough day but, that doesn't matter because they come first when it comes to the work that we do. And a lot of times it's really just maintaining that they're, they're, they're human, you know, they're going to make mistakes and, but not judging them, not making them feel any worse than they may already be feeling, you know? So it's really just keeping them, keeping them, um, keeping them, making them feel comfortable when I'm, when I'm, when I'm with them as well as, uh, Wherever wherever it is that they're needing to go. So today, one of my guys wanted to go and uh, take a shower, you know. So I brought him. Went to go. He went to go shower up at our office. The ind- the other individual wanted to um, go get a meal card. Wanted to go have a meal at McDonald's, and we we we, we, we uh, provide meal cards for our participants. So there's all there's different things that my day can consist of. So that's just kind of. But my, and this was just in the morning, you know, so there's a lot that can take place just within an hour or two, you know, so, but yeah, that's, I think that covers that.
2: And and sorry, I I did forget you you asked me to maybe speak quickly to that definition, uh, and it spurred on something. By the way, we we have uh, brochures of the program just over here if you'd like to grab one. I think it might be a good idea to put this definition in the pamphlet, so I appreciate a prompt there. Uh, but I'll read this out then for folks who, I, I tried to make sure that white on black, it's, it's contrast enough that you can see it, but let me just read it out for those who, who may uh, not be able to. Recovery is a path to improved quality of life by finding balance in the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual states of health and well-being guided. A life of harmony with self, community, and creation. An important part of that is a path. And often people will see it as a destination. Recovery is not a destination. People often speak to recovery as abstinence. That's a part of recovery, but it's not all of what recovery is. Uh, and I think that was that's what we really want to highlight from this definition: is that pathway for each person that creates a wholeness for them from a balanced life and one that connects to themselves and to community and to any higher being that that they may believe in.
5: Douglas Mitchell, uh, realizing that, that your program is embryonic, uh, we cannot expect too much in the way of facts and figure statistics, but I would hope you'll be invited back a year from now when you'll be able to give us some of that. The other thing I would commend you for is addressing the question of indigenous problems as distinct from other ethnic origins. Uh, And I'm particularly concerned, and I think it's wonderful that you're doing this, and we'll be interested to hear how the recoveries go. The, the, The question I have is, we realize here, if we've lived in this town for any city any length of time, that there is considerable bigotry, racism that exists, whether we like it or not. And for that reason alone, and I just wonder whether you that particular problem has come to light at all in dealing with this. We all have uh, addictions, even. Some of us, when we're younger, alcohol addiction, which is a problem for you pe- your people, we know that. And uh, I would just like to know, ha- is, has there been much discussion of what indigenous people are up against in dealing with racism and bigotry amongst the rest of the population?
4: yeah you know um i uh <laughs> what no i'm just kidding no it's it I, I wouldn't be in the position i am right now if i um if i if i focus too much on that on 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 and, it, and the racism yeah it's it is very prominent and there's been times and like well actually a lot of times where we we we've encountered it but and in all fairness the work needs to continue and that's always something that i'm going to stick by and uh, i myself including a lot of the um, people that like i had made mention my family members are that are here in attendance you know they've they've they're in they're uh, uh respected members of the community and they've probably gone through it and they wouldn't be where they're at today though if they hadn't just persevered through that, and we've had many people in our in our history and in, in our past that have 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 fought for equality and to make sure that we, more specifically, the Blackfoot are heard. And I always appreciate that in in any any presentation like this or any. Um, Uh, event that I go to there's always that acknowledgement of being on Blackfoot territory and recognizing that this is this is the home of the Blackfoot and me being able to get up here and speak in this capacity you know it's it's dialogue that needs to continue and this kind of partnerships that need to continue and we've had a long history we've had a long history of uh, racism as well as uh, just just things that just have been very negative towards our in in this in this area, but again, there is people that have worked hard to make sure that I myself can be up here. You know, my 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 late dad, Narcissus Blood. You know, he was uh, a very well well articulated uh, individual that he he him himself have had. had Troubles with addictions and had struggled with uh, trauma in his life, but through that negativity that he had gone through, that trauma, those addictions, you know, he was able to provide um, an upbringing that me and my brother Miles were able to to why we're able to come here and speak in this capacity. And I'm not, and I'm being, kind of speaking more from a personal perspective, but there's so many other people that I can um, vouch for that racism is something that we've just had to overcome. And it's going to continue to be there, whether we like it or not, but we can't get caught up into it too much. But thank um, Thank you. <laughs>
0: Uh, I just want to remind everyone that we've got five minutes left and two questions, so uh, Jerry and
3: Joey, don't talk so long. (laughs) Thank you. Hi, my name is Lori Schultz, and thank you very much for your presentation. Um, Tremendous information on on what is happening. So my question is around recovery, or um, treatment, rather. You've mentioned one a prairie um, prairie treatment, but specifically, I'm wondering what when a participant is ready to go into a treatment option, be it starting with detox or whatever, and then into a, a treatment. Where, where are these treatment facilities? How long does it take to get into them? Do we need more? Um, just. If you could just share a little bit of information on the, the meat and the roots of the treatment aspect. Thank
2: you. That's a really good question. Yes, there's always a need for more, uh, especially locally. But interestingly enough, uh, with, with the local context um, for detox and treatment facilities uh, is that a lot of our folks actually find a lot more success outside of our community, outside of their community, rather. Uh, the reason for that is because this is where a lot of the triggers for addictions happen and so often when folks go to other communities where these uh treatment facilities exist we see a little more success in fact we actually have two folks right now that are that are up north and have done so well in treatment and are so concerned about coming back home because they're aware of the triggers that would exist for them they found employment and education up there and decided they need to have their path extend a little bit longer and are working and living up in, in that community until they're at a better place where they can come back to their home community. Um, so when we do look at treatment facilities, um, there is an important part to have them here in our own community, but it's also important to acknowledge and and, and connect with those that might exist across the province and, and, and potentially even to some other areas. Um, when it comes to... The cultural component of treatment centers, there are uh, three within Alberta um, that exist. Um, that's not enough. We we could certainly use more in that area. Um, detox is a really big one. Trying to get folks into uh, detox when they're ready to go, They want. they need to go now and they want to go now. So it's a matter of making sure there's enough beds where we're not waiting even A day let alone a week or three weeks we have been pretty successful for the most part folks that are willing and ready to go um, the wait I think as long as it's been was maybe two three weeks at the very most Uh, for some folks though for treatments it has been maybe a month a couple months Um, for the most part though for detox we have seen fairly good response times and I would say within uh, a couple days to a week, uh, but it still doesn't fit the needs of the folks who truly need it, to which need, one, they're motivated, it's the immediate response that's the most appropriate and that's going to see the, more, the most success.
0: Thank you, Jerry. Final question?
1: Final question. I had two, but maybe I don't have time. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming and uh, for your th- very thoughtful answers. My name is Violet Meekma, um, and I originally came from Saskatchewan <coughs> to this province. I'm wondering uh, if you are excluding non-Indigenous people from your program. I'm assuming that they are, just from what I've heard, and maybe part of the reason for that is funding. And I'm wondering if you would consider opening that up to non-Indigenous people if you got funding from other sources. I know in Saskatchewan sometimes that's required in order to get provincial funding. My other question, if you had time, is I'm wondering if you have any court-mandated participants and how that's going. Thank you.
2: Um, anything that has to do with administration, I get the privilege of answering. Um, yes, uh, the inclusion exclusion criteria is related to funding. It is uh, through INAC, Urban uh, um, Programming for uh, Indigenous People, so it, that's why it's restricted to Indigenous adults. Um, the hope is, though, that sh- this program continue to grow in a way that not only supports non-indigenous people, but also support people regardless of what addiction they're they're looking to recover from. So right now it is specific to uh, opioids, but we 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 do hope to see an expansion and growth, uh, and not necessarily from our program, but anyone out there that's wanting to take on uh, a recovery coaching model. Um, there's a, there's a really great opportunity I think right now especially with where our current government is at and and putting a lot of focus on recovery this is a really good opportunity to maybe seek that that funding support in trying to expand services and supports but I want to speak specifically though to why this program particularly exists and one is to it's to fill a, a very large gap that exists currently for services and supports specifically within the urban indigenous community um, and specific to uh, uh, recovery and also specific to addressing the opioid crisis and all those things combined, uh, was the impetus, and, and, and if I'm not completely accurate on that, we do have a couple ladies here that were from the inception, uh, Amanda Scout and Trina Tello, that can give you a much more thorough uh, answer as to where the program really initiated from and why, why that uh, initiated uh, in the way that it did. Um, and I'm thro- sorry to throw you there on the spot, but um, if you're okay with it, uh, that's probably the best place to, to, to ask that question.
0: Um, I am aware that there is going to be. Um, there's uh, other agencies seeking funding to do a recovery coaching, not specific to Indigenous, but others. So hopefully within the next year or so, we're going to see some of that for everybody. But at the time, it was just what is most needed right now to really to save people's lives and get them get them the help they need. Um, you could, I could talk to you later too, as well as. Uh, Speaking of government, I just want to acknowledge that we have a candidate for our election here, Shandy Bleakin. Can you stand up and wave at everyone? So uh, if you want to talk to Shandy later about some of these issues, I'm sure she'd be glad to listen to you. Uh, So I guess we're done now. I just want to thank Joey and Jerry for sharing their um, presentation and the work, the valuable work that they do. We really do appreciate it. Thank you.